Hi, and welcome to episode 222 of No Crying in Baseball, the new swag episode. My name is Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hello, Potty Mouth. How are you? Hey there. You are looking sharp in your new swag, and I am, I'm jealous because I have no new swag. Yeah, I got my Guardian's gear. It arrived yesterday. I'm so happy. I'm so happy to be thematic and to have, you know, I, I, I was settling for generic Cleveland gear, which I like just fine, but now I've got something because I did the right thing and I feel good about it. Yay. Yeah. Well, also, I think you should give yourself a shout out there for the rock on it. Wait, what's under the rock? So it says um, it has the Guardians logo, the, the the cool one with the, you know, the, the, the wings on it from the statue. And then it says rock solid. Cleveland Guardians. And, you know, I'm for all that time, I was saying I wanted them to be the Cleveland Rocks. So I figure it says rock solid. So it's almost like best of both worlds. Yeah. It's sort of like they made that for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. They didn't, however, give it to me. I did have to pay for it, which is unfortunate <laughs> because I think I deserved it. But, um, but now I have it. It's cool. Thank That's you, Christmas cool. money. <laughs> I went shopping. That's very cool. All, all I've gotten is a new account on the Cardinales de Lara website which I'll be talking more about them later when we talk about international baseball. But they, I, I, I registered as Potty Mouth. So I got this little message that said, Bienvenido Potty Mouth, which oh. I just think is very sweet, even though it wasn't working last night. So I'm going to try again tonight and hope to get the end of the game more about that later. Yeah. Did it not work because they were concerned about someone named Potty Mouth? They didn't think you were real or they that, thought you might be a little too edgy for their website? That's a really good question. I was thinking that it was like maybe they weren't expecting somebody from the United States to be trying in there. But I hear that the YouTube does wonders. So I'm going to try the YouTube tonight. Go with the YouTube. As, as soon as we stop stop recording. Sure. Yep. So um, how was how the football? It seems like everybody's watching football this weekend. And <laughs> yeah, weirdly, I keep right. forgetting to turn on a game. I got texts from people asking me about three different games over the course of the weekend so far. I'm like, oh, right. I meant to watch that, but I didn't care enough. Oh, I meant to watch that, but didn't care enough. How'd you do? Yeah, I, I pretty much don't care. You know, I don't care about football until it comes to the finals. And then I just feel like, you know, it's a playoff game. I got to watch, especially if it's the Patriots. So I was talking to my dad yesterday and he specifically scheduled our daily phone call so that we could begin and end it before the game started. And he was notably concerned about the game. He really was anxious going into it. But my dad's a general sports pessimist anyway. And then I spoke to him today. Well, he's from and, Boston. It's a rule, right? Right, it's right. Like he's from a, Cleveland, right? Yeah, it's the same yeah, thing. yeah. And he's an 89-year-old from Boston. Like, I was trying to explain this to the kids in the CPBL chat who are like, you know, 20-something. I'm like, no, folks, Boston fans, yes, they, they have suffered if you're 89 years old. And he said he was so upset. He said it was a complete travesty. And then he went on to very harshly cri criticize Bill Belichick and his decisions, which was just beyond me. But, you know, all I know is I watched half of it and I thought, eh, this ain't going right. I'm going to switch over to the cooking show now. <laughs> Because the cooking show will make me feel better. So yeah. I'm looking forward actually to watching um, Macbeth tomorrow, the new Denzel Washington. Oh, Andrew I do want to see that. Yeah. So that that might be my my uh, my MLK day off. Snow day. MLK snow day, day event. Day. Right. Snowy. So it's yeah. a snowy day, which yeah. is why I'm drinking a vanilla latte chronicle, a coffee stout, because I feel like, you know, a Sunday evening on a snowy day seems the right time for a coffee stout. Well, you know, and I'm showing all our fans right now, I am drinking a Cosmic Winter, which also seemed thematic from, from Silver Branch Brewery, one of our favorites. So yeah, cheers. both of us from Silver Branch. So yay, Silver Branch. Yeah. Come visit us sometime. We'll, we'll meet you there. Right, right. I don't, it would be lovely if they could sponsor <laughs> our show, Silver Branch folks. Hey, wait, when your dad said complete travesty, tell, how did it sound? It sounded uh, upset. <laughs> it no, sounded I, upset. I meant pronunciation wise. Oh, 
I, it's a complete travesty. I don't know. Is it's, there anything about it? There's nothing about that that really goes Bostonian on me. Complete travesty. Yeah. It's just, just the, just the theme of it, it was, yeah. was Bostonian. I got yep. it. I got it. All <laughs> right. right. All right. Pardon me. I'm sipping some vanilla latte beer. That's fair. You got to do the rundown. All right. So on today's show, um, we've had International Signing Day. Is there movement in CBA land? We've got boyfriends from the Guardians and the Mets. Glass ceilings are moving. Outfield walls are moving. We've got winter ball playoffs and humans are back in the Atlantic League. So you may have seen a boatload of international signings talked about yesterday. And I don't remember if we usually see quite that many. And it might be like we talked about um, last week with uh, with Genevieve Beacom's international news, which is great. But also, is it because the lockout has suppressed the other news? So I think International Signing Day may have gotten a little bit of like a, you know, an up, an uptick because that was the only news we could talk about. But let me explain what it is. It's not the only day you can sign international players. It's very specific. It is the kickoff of international signing season, which actually goes for almost a whole year. It starts January 15th and it goes all the way to December 15th. But you know, in the, in the off time, they've been working out deals with people. So this is the day they can announce those deals and actually sign those deals. It's for a very specific group of people. They're 16-year-olds, 16 and 17-year-olds. So they have to be players who are registered with MLB and born between, for this, this round, born between September 1st, 2005 and August 31st. I'm sorry, September 1st, 2004 and August 31st. 2005. Okay. So it's a very specific group of people who are eligible Hmm. for this signing group. It's a very specific thing. Um, And teams are assigned their bonus pool, how much they have to spend, how much they can offer as bonuses for these players that they sign. And it's based on, do they qualify for competitive balance picks or not? And it really ranges between like five and $6 million. So signings under $10,000 don't count. So somebody could sign 10 guys for $10,000 each, and it won't count towards their $5 million, whatever their amount is. So the Nationals had the highest signing. So they signed a 17-year-old from Cuba, nicknamed the Phenomenon, whose name is Christian Vaquero. How would you pronounce that first name? Would you say the H? Yeah, they don't They do not do the TH sound. I don't know why they put it in names sometimes, but it would be Christian. Christian Vaquero. Interestingly, everything in every, any, any publication, anything online had the H in there for like the first Mm. 12 hours and then people dropped it. Interesting. I just made it more obviously a Christian. So maybe it was a pronunciation thing, but I don't know if we're changing people's names one way or the other. I don't know which is correct, but there you have it. So he's the phenomenon. He said he had a record um, $5 million signing. It was a record for the nationals. It was also the highest, highest of this class. He is a switch hitting outfielder and the assistant general manager of international operations for the Nats said he was asked about Juan Soto, who also came in, you know, this way to the club and it, to compare the two. And he said, oh, Soto had nowhere near the tools this kid has. Wow. So again, he's 17. So who knows where those tools are going to go? Right, is he peaking? Is he just getting right. started? But did we just get ourselves a new Juan Soto? Maybe, maybe. This whole thing has me really wondering about the system because I just kept seeing picture after picture of like these baby faces yesterday with these crazy amounts of money and knowing where these kids are coming from, which are places with the, you know, there's a lot of poverty, like what that means to these kids and 
whether whether it's an overall good idea because does it mean they're not going to complete high school? Does it mean they're you know going to be focused now on just pursuing this baseball thing? What happens if it doesn't work out? What happens if you know some of this money disappears, especially for the kids who aren't in the million dollars, who are in like the thousand dollars? I I don't know. I'm just a little concerned at how it's so different than what happens with mainland U.S. born kids. I do think, however, I think those those are very good questions and very real concerns. I do think, however, that these are the guys that kind of come in through the baseball academies, right? Which I think do have an academic aspect to them. I hope and, so, and I think they do. And I, I think you know, so I I think it gets it gets them in to this sort of organized system. Um, they also, these guys have to be registered with MLB before this gets started. So I think they've come in through that way. And I think they are a little bit protected, but yeah, it's a boatload of money, which is good news and bad news. Like you right. said, it's like, it, it's rescuing families out of poverty, but it's also what the fuck do I do with this now? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, knowing how to manage it and knowing, and then not having people take advantage of you too, because then everybody's sure. going to want some. For Sure. In all that, I saw one story that kind of jumped out at me, this kid, Oscar Romero for, from Venezuela. And he signed with the Blue Jays in this in this International Signing Day. And he was in the Little League World Series in 2017. So it's, it's kind of cool to think about like what happens to kids who get that championship. And he started at second base and it was a year that Venezuela were the champs. And at that point, he was tiny. He was, I mean, they're a little in the Little League World Series by by definition, but he was 4'8". Like some kids are, are much bigger than that. And they called him the, the little Altuve. And there's actually like, like this mini documentary profile about him because he has this very intense life story with losing people who were close to him right around the time and just like his perseverance with um with playing baseball. So I I think I have that link. I hope I have the link in the notes. I recommend that you watch the little video about Oscar Romero. I would like to see that because the, the video that I saw about um Christian Vaquero was a hype video. Oh. It was like, you know, hey, this guy's coming yeah. and you know, but it was it was fun, but it didn't tell us about him other than look at him play well. And I do want to know stories. Yeah. But you know what? As these guys come up, Maybe they'll be boyfriends in a couple years, and we will have. There their we go. Right now, they're 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 rumor and and possibility. Yeah. Hey, speaking of rumor and possibility, we've got this lockout going on, and um, there there were actually a presentation of proposals from Major League Baseball to the union this week. This was the first time that those two parties had a conversation since December 2nd. They were on Zoom for about an hour where MLB presented their economic proposals that we mentioned last week. Um, they centered around arbitration and the lottery about a lottery around the draft, but the players are completely discouraged. Uh. Everything I read said, use the words discouraged or disappointed because it was either not enough or it was wrong. Like the, the players, the union wants more people eligible for arbitration sooner. And the MLB proposal said, yeah, those guys, those super two guys that we've talked about before that are like eligible early. Why don't we just pay them a little more than the base salary and not have them be in arbitration at all? It's like, that's the opposite. I mean, we want them to get paid more, but we want them to be able to bargain for it. And you're taking away their voice. So no. So a lot of the things that they brought up were like either not enough or it was misguided. So the next step is the union can choose to ignore this. Like I just hear buzzing in my mm -hmm. ear. It's not worth us talking about. Or they can counter. 
but as of today, as of Sunday, there's not a follow-up scheduled. So different things that I read said, okay, here are, here are deadlines for things for the season happening on time, right? Pitchers and catchers are supposed to report on Valentine's day. (laughs) And in order for, order for, for spring training to start on time, the players need to be able to get their visas in order if they're international. They have to go through whatever the COVID protocols are. There are still 300 free agents who didn't have contracts before the lockout. So time has to be allowed for those things to happen. And then spring training. So one thing I said, like, that's like two weeks. So there wasn't a delay on spring training. Now they can cut down on spring training, which is not good for anybody. But they can only cut down so much. So March 5th is kind of the deadline for no delay for opening day. So no one has confidence. Like I, Nothing I saw said, it's going to work. Everyone said, the question is, how long will they be delayed? So that's where we are with the CBA talks. Every week we've been talking about things that can't happen during the lockout. Got a new one for you today. It ties into our police blotter. Nationals pitcher Seth Romero, 25, was arrested Friday morning for a DWI oh, in fuck. Texas. He's he's kind of a troublemaker. He's got lots of like small, annoying, like, can't you just get it to the hell together, uh. dude, stuff in his past from college on up. Um, he's out on a $5,000 bond, but the team and the league can't talk to him. So A, he can't get any help from the league or the team or have them actually contact him directly to see what's going on They're 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 talking to law enforcement, but they can't talk to Seth Romero. They also can't discipline him during the lockout. So if, you know, he ends up being found guilty of this or whatever, the league can't also say, so we're going to suspend you for a month or, you know, 17 years or whatever, you know, whatever they do, they can't do any of that until the lockout is over. So that's one more thing. That can't happen. This is going to be totally hard for managers to be able to figure out, like, what the fuck's going on with their team. Yeah, there was another whole thing about, you know, pitchers throwing in garages and hanging out at high schools to try to work out. And again, the guys who are all recovering from injury, who can't do that under the supervision of their team trainers or in their training facilities. Yeah. And the manager saying, I don't know who's playing for me. Yeah. Well, one thing that can happen is people can retire. And John Lester is retiring on his own terms after 16 wonderful years of playing. And I have a super soft spot for John Lester from his Red Sox days. Absolutely. But but he did this purposely. He he said that he in the midseason last year, he started thinking about it, but didn't want to let anybody else know. And he said, I don't want someone else telling me that I can't do this anymore. So he he realized that his body at shit. I didn't write down the age. I think he's like 38. Was, is just not bouncing back the way it used to from the stress. Also, I think is super poetic. Poetic. He has exactly 200 wins. So to go out nice. on 200, yeah. super, super impressive. And, you know, what I love him for, of course, is his Red Sox days. He was drafted by Boston in 02. His rookie year was 2006. And this was, you know, for all of Boston, this was a super emotional time. He was... Um, he was diagnosed with cancer that August. Terry Francona was like by his side. And that was one of those like just insights into what a wonderful manager Tito is, still is, and was at that time. He came back mid-season in 07 and helped win the World Series, pitched a no-hitter in 08, and then won the World Series again with Boston in 13. 
sadly, we were all sad when he was traded to Oakland in 14 and then picked up by Cubs in the offseason and then proceeded to sort of be loved, absolutely be loved by Cubs fans with the World Series win there in, in 16, hung out for a few more years, and then free agent after 2020. So I was excited last year when he started the year with the Nationals, but we didn't see a lot of them. There was some injury stuff, and then mid-year he got traded over to the Cardinals, and I think that was, you know, the sign that he didn't want to keep going in that direction. Was was I at a game? Was it with you or with Mr. Potty Mouth, where we brought um, a friend of ours, a, a young friend of ours, to the game, and Lester was pitching, and we were talking about DHing and having our usual argument. And I said, you know, it is it. You know, he was saying, is it good or bad that John Lester's pitching? I'm like, it depends which John Lester shows yeah. up. And it was a John Lester who won the game, was a kick-ass pitcher, and hit successfully in that game. And that was the last time I saw him in person. So I am so pleased to be able to say that was the game that I That's saw. That's amazing that he you know, hit successfully for him to go out. because he had like a really bad streak at the beginning of his career. Like he went many, 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 oh, many yeah. games without getting a hit. And the other thing that was his known weakness was the yips, like throwing over to first, plagued him over the years and he eventually did the bounce pass and I think that came out with the Cubs actually that they figured that out yep and that totally worked but he's he's a wonderful guy and he is giving he's been giving back for years and he and his wife um run a nonprofit that is I guess you pronounce it as never quit but it's NVRQT and it benefits pediatric cancer research so you know, hats off to John Lester. There's a big, there's lots of debate going on about is he a Hall of Fame type guy or not? I saw John Lackey voiced in as having pitched with him on both the Red Sox and the Cubs, super, you know, supporting him. But I guess time will tell on, on that discussion. We told the story late in the season when he was with the Cardinals at the end of the season and he went back to Wrigley and he gave watches to um, to David Ross. And oh, yeah. Who else? Who else? I can't remember because Schwarber wasn't there then. Um, I, but but yeah, but he, but he gave them watches and it felt like a goodbye yeah. thing to me. He didn't say that it makes was, sense. but it had that kind of like, I'm giving you this thing, this parting that gift. That totally makes sense. To thank you for, you know, all of this time. Yeah. And he yeah. also said that, that he, you know, he's not tied to a team at this point. And he probably wouldn't have wound up with a team that was sort of in contention. And he's like... I'm a competitor. I want to win. He doesn't want to be on a team that's not going to win. So Yeah, for sure. For sure. Good for him. I, I wish him the best. What a good guy. Absolutely. All right. We're going to move on to our baseball boyfriends. These are the guys that we pick in the offseason because they are cool. There's something about them that just makes us want to hang out and have a beer with them, ideally. And uh, this week, we are working with the Cleveland guardians for the first time yes baby yeah we are which makes me feel like there has been some serious progress since we started this show it's really nice to be able to say we are picking cleveland guardians and i was actually looking up old games and this wasn't consistent but some of even the old backdated games said guardians that i was i was kind of surprised about but uh, I seem to have a little bit of a weird theme this week. I have kind of second string guys with potential. They haven't maybe been been performing up to what they, they could be. I'm going to be hopeful. They're, they both signed with the team that they still play for, and they both have really adorable kids. So the first one I'm – Yeah, they do. <laughs> and the first one I'm going to go with, Yu Chang from, from the Guardians, whose name is actually Chang Yu Cheng. And important to know – 
Taiwanese names in, in Taiwan, the family name comes first. So in Taiwan, he would be called Cheng Yucheng. Um, here is Yucheng. And when I get into his brother's names, I, I'm not quite sure how he wrote them down, but I'll, I'll try to, to clarify when I get there. I think he's playing first base. He could also play third or shortstop. He first, I, th I think he first came out on third base, but I, I'm kind of going for the versatility. 26 years old. So not only is he from Taiwan and me as a B big CPBL fan, I kind of just had to, to gravitate there. But man, his QHAR, his quality hair above replacement, he has been sort of growing it out. He's got kind of like this curly, long, bouncy look. It's looking mighty good. So that was an extra point in his favor. And the baby, who I think is over a oh, year old at this point, Winston. Oh, that baby. Like, what a name, I love too. that baby. He is just so cute. So cute. So points for the baby. There's a great picture on his Instagram, actually, that he tagged Franmil. So I think it's Franmil's kid with him. And there's Winston, who's looking pretty bald. And Franmil's baby with, like, all these dark curls and they're so cute <laughs> together. And he tagged it when no hair meets lots of hair. And also I just, I love his, his, um, at whatever you call that, the name you, you, the soldier boy. So I'm not quite sure where that comes from, but it's a pretty good tag. He, as a kid, he played, you know, way up in little league and just missed being in the team that represented Taiwan in the little league world series. His team came in second. And, and that was in, um, shoot, I'm not quite sure. I don't know. Early 2000s, I would say. 2009, 10, around there. Well, I, I will think it's like Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, there we go. Sell it. Because I know he played for Taiwan, and this is a date that I have. I know he played with for Taiwan in the 2011 World Youth Champions Championship when he was actually a pitcher which I thought was wild. And he had 15 strikeouts against the Netherlands and batted 414. Yes, I know this hurts my DH argument, but there you go. And in that um, championship, <laughs> he made the all-star team where I guess they pick kids from all different countries along with, and here's, here's this class, Austin Meadows was on the USA team and Yuan Mankata was on the Cuba team. And the three of them played nice. together as all-stars. So that's that's just kind of wild. But this past year, um, 21, Cleveland and the Angels played in the Williamsport game. And he said, like, he finally got to go there. Like, he felt like, you oh, know, he great. would have wanted to as a kid, yeah. but he got to be there. Um, family stuff. His dad died when he was young. There was one article I saw that said when he was 16, other people I talked to said it, it sounded like younger. But he has a bunch of brothers who also play baseball. So Cheng Jung Cheng, which... It, it, so the order here, I'm not sure. I, I guess I'm going to go with the American size, Americanized, Americanized, Americanized. There we go. The order where things are just backwards. So <laughs> Cheng Jung played for the other Guardians, which is the Guardians in the CPBL, who have existed for long, much longer than the Guardians name here. But that's kind of cool to have two brothers on the Guardians, and I think we talked about that when the Guardians we did when the Guardians yep, name came, the first name. came. And then another brother, Wei Sheng Cheng, currently plays for my Unilions in the CPBL in center field, backup center fielder, but he's young. He's going to be coming up. And then Jin Dei Zheng, whose name is spelled differently, J-H-A-N-G. And that's just a random thing because we're dealing with, you know, again, you know, Anglization of, of characters. 
which I'm totally pronouncing everything wrong. I absolutely, I absolutely know. And so there's different ways of writing the last name. So it's weird that they were both in the MLB system. His brother, Jin Desheng, was in just in the minors at the same time with differently spelled last names. And they ended up playing against each other where his brother was in the Altoona Curve and uh, Yu Cheng was in your rubber ducks in 2017. They placed, they faced each other. And apparently that was the first time in the Altoona Curve's history that a brother had faced a brother on another team. He finally debuted against the Orioles in June 2019 when Jose Ramirez was on paternity leave. But then his second game wasn't until August, and that was his first hit, where he got a two-hit game. And here comes my triple theme. I've had a triple this theme with my boyfriends having something to do with triples. So he got a triple in his first game, in his sorry, his second game, first game where he got a hit, but it was two hits, so he had a single and a triple. And then that September, his father-in-law flew in for his first for his first MLB game, meaning the father-in-law's first time that he's on MLB game, and he hit a home run for his father-in-law. Oh. But in his social media, he dedicated it to his dad, who he had lost as a kid, and wrote, I love you, dad. I miss you. I did it. So heart-wrenching stuff there. He hasn't played a, a huge percentage of the season so far. He was 28 games in 19, 10 and 20. 20 was short for everybody. 89 and 21. He's showing a slow and steady improvement in stats, but it's still a little bit low there. He had only gotten one homer in 19 and, and nothing in 20, but nine in 21. So I think that's, you know, showing improvement, batting 228 and 21 as well. Um, in 21, he had a, a terrible error that lost the game. It was a ninth, ninth inning error. Absolutely let the other team go ahead. But what came after it was sort of, you know, a sign of the times under COVID, a bunch of shitty racist tweets. And he came out very strong against it, which is a hard thing to do. Absolutely. And he he retweeted these, he screenshotted them because he knew they would delete it, retweeted these tweets and said, exercise your freedom of speech in a right way. I accept all comments, positive and negative, but definitely not racist ones. Thank you all and love you all. Stop Asian hate hashtag. So hopefully that he won't have to deal with that anymore. It's just a just a shitty thing for, for Asian players to have to deal with these days. And he's a good guy as far as charity, which is something we always look for with baseball boyfriends. He supported a charity auction for the Taiwan Fund for Children's and Families. And this is where it comes back to, I'm a little un unclear about what happened in his childhood when his dad died because he said that the fund helped his family when he was little, and now it's time for him to give back. The other thing that it benefited was stray dogs facilities, and he loves dogs. So you got to love any guy who loves dogs. I'm excited to see what happens to you this year. You is a good follow on Twitter. When his yeah. wife and Winston came over to move to this country last year. He sort of documented the whole thing and like, you know, Winston's first time here and Winston's first time there. And it was lovely. And interspersed with that, his stop Asian hate tweets. So good. Which were very clear and very important and supported by a lot of his teammates, including hooray, my baseball boyfriend that I'm picking this time. 
Bobby Bradley. Woo-hoo. Bobby Bradley, um, first base, 25 years old, born in Chicago, grew up in Gulfport, Mississippi. And Gulfport, Mississippi is absolutely his home, which you'll hear more about later. His mom, Dolores, reports that his first home run ever was in Louisiana at age five oh at God. a T-ball championship. Are there really T-ball championships? Apparently, the first time running hit was off a tee in Louisiana, which from that point on, well, not, probably not that point on, but I think that influenced his goal to play at LSU and then go pro. That was kind of like his like career path. Oh, I had home runs in Louisiana when I was a five-year-old. I'm going to go to LSU. So in 2014, he's in high school, draft comes up, and he said, okay, I, I've committed to LSU, but if I get drafted in the first or second round, I'm going, I'm going, you know, I'm, I'm going to the team, but if it's lower than that, I'm going to go to LSU. And he didn't go in the top two rounds, but in the third round, Cleveland offered him second round level money in the third round. And he said, I could not pass up the $912,000. So he went to the guardians as opposed to LSU, although he's still, still a big fan of LSU, but there you have it. So like, there was a big question. It was like, he was very public about if I'm not, if I don't go in the first two rounds, I'm not going, I'm going to go to college. But then it felt like it was the first two rounds. Mm-hmm. Right. So there you go. All right. So he went from the draft right to the Arizona rookie league where he played 39 games. And he said, I set goals for myself. So this is what he does, right? He's very clear about what he wants to achieve at any given time. At that time, as a kid, right, going right out of high school to the rookie league, he says, I'm going to bat over 330. I'm going to hit at least five home runs and, and 10 doubles. And wouldn't you know, he finished with 361 average, eight home runs, 51 RBI, and 13 doubles. So he made the all-star team. He got MVP of the league and won the Triple Crown. Holy shit. So not bad for the the Arizona Rookie League, right, for for this kid who just graduated from high school. Um, And then he ended up getting home run titles in four of his six years in the minors, right? So he had a very quick cup of coffee in 2019. He had a he came up in June 2019. He hit a double in his first at bat. He played 15 games and then went back down. No appearances at all in 2020. Hmm. Then between 2020 and 2021, he lost 35 pounds, wow. which significantly increased his bat speed, right? Because he was in better shape. So he could focus that better, you know, he could focus that on bat speed, right? So he really, you know, he really shined in, um, in spring training. And he was competing with Jake Bowers for the first base position, and everyone thought he was going to get it. But then they decided to take Jake and send hit, send Bobby down to AAA, which surprised a bunch of people. His numbers were way better, but they said that Jake was kind of out of options. They didn't want to lose him. So in June, Jake's numbers had tanked. So they, said, so they sent Jake down, and they brought Bobby up. And his call up was at an Orioles game that I went to, and really? I think I, I told this I told this story on the show because this guy comes up to bat for the guardians and he's got a zero batting average. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm seeing a debut. Turns out it wasn't cause he had that cup of coffee the year before, but I thought it was a debut and I'm going nuts. I'm cheering the guy on. Right. I mean, I'm, I, you know, I'm with my kid who's rooting for the O's I'm, you know, torn, but rooting for, you know, for the guardians. Cause this is, you know, land of my birth, but you know, and the people around me are like, do you know him? Because I was out of control, excited. I'm I like, remember no, this. but his mom's probably not here. <laughs> totally, <laughs> his mom's not here. I got to be his mom. That's so great. <laughs> so initially, initially, he um, his first twenty seven his first twenty seven plate appearances from that point on. Oh, 
pardon me, that was a pinch hit double. So again, his his call up first hit was a double, just like his initial debut was a double. So in the first 27 plate appearances, he had three home runs and 10 RBI. You know, Jake was tanking, so this was a good call. Um, his strikeout rate is pretty high, but he's got good power, right? So he had some ups and downs. He had a little bit of injury the rest of, you know, off and on 2021, but again, super good power. And the, the Guardians last year were the youngest team in the majors. And he's one of those guys. You know, he's one of the young kids. And he said, you know what? We're just letting loose. We're having fun. In my head, this is a 12-year-old All-Stars. <laughs> as fun as we can get, just playing some summer ball. And I, that's one of the things that we initially said about how we pick our boyfriends. Guys who love to play the game of baseball, they know it's a fun game, right? So his giving back is all about his hometown in Gulfport, in Mississippi, he he's run an annual free baseball clinic at his old high school for 100 kids starting when he was 19 wow, years old. That's so right? cool. So he's he's in the minor leagues and he's like, "You know what? Time to time to like get started on like thanking my hometown." He says, "I just want to make the kids happy and it helps them work harder." Mm -hmm. Right? Last so he did, he's done that for like 6, 7, I don't know, all these years since then. Last month with the Boys and Girls Club back in Gulfport, he helped the um, sponsor this holiday shopping spree at a sporting goods store for young for youth athletes, right? Because he said taking care of home is what it's about. So he was there. He didn't just write a check. He was there. He was hanging out with the kids. He's, help, he's helping them pick out their shoes. You know, he's just having a good time with them being there. Same thing with going to his old high school and bringing these kids in and, you know, showing them, you know, yep, this is where I came from, too. And here's how you work hard. And here's some things you need to know, right? So uh, the fun thing that I discovered by doing my research was that um, Bobby was roommates and came up with Yu Chang with Potty Mouth's boyfriend since 2014. They were on the same teams all along and has Aww. said, and he, he, he retweeted a lot of the Stop Asian Hate stuff, but he said, you know, brother since the beginning and will be forever. So look at us. We yeah. picked pals. We picked, we picked baseball friends as our baseball boyfriends. And my favorite thing about since Bobby Bradley came up is every time he has a clutch hit, which is a lot. Um, my oldest brother texts me the words, Bobby exclamation point. And I really like getting those texts. That's so awesome. Hoping for, hoping for a lot more of those. All right. We're going to go over to the Mets now. And I'm thinking Tomas Nilo, who's a catcher, 27 years old. And I'm keep, apparently I'm keep, keeping a Mets catcher theme because I had James McCann last year. And also I learned my lesson because we, we recruit these guys for our um, fantasy league at the end of this experience. And last year I was screwed on catchers. So I really, really want three catchers this year. This is my second. I, I picked Mitch Garver with the twins. So I'm going to keep it up. And also I'm keeping up the theme of guys. We want to have a beer with their moms on. Yeah. <laughs> So Tomas Nito comes from a family of athletes. Both sides have represented Puerto Rico internationally. His mom was a swimmer. She competed in the 1968 Summer Olympics at age 11. Yes. Are you allowed to do at, that? That's Holy what crap. I was just blown away. Apparently, that was the record for the youngest Olympian until 2016. And I didn't look into who broke that record. Ugh. But holy shit. Her father and uncle were both on the Puerto Rican national basketball team. And her brother, which would be Tomas's uncle, was also a professional basketball player. Now, on the other side, his dad was a tennis player. 
he got a medal at the 82 Central American Caribbean Games, and his brother, so Tomas's uncle, was also a pro tennis player. So not baseball. That's a hell of a gene pool. But seriously, athletic genes there. So he's born in Puerto Rico, right? He moved to Miami to play baseball when he was in high school. He sort of got this deal in, in a Christian high school, I believe. And he was living with a, a friend in his family until he left the school. And then his mom had to come and sort of stay with him, I think, for his last year in some some apartment that they kind of rented together just to get him through it. And he had an offer from Florida State, but ended up going to the Mets instead in 2012 is when he signed, debuted in 17. He has not played a lot of games in any season. 58 games in 2021 last year was his career high. And his MLB career average is 206, last year 222. So this is my theme of guys of who are like getting there, you know, the kind of in the range where they could just sort of take off. He is great at framing though. And this is really interesting in the past like couple of seasons that he led for non-swing marginal pitches being called strikes. So because of the way he's framing, he's getting the strikes in. I honestly picked him, though, mostly for personality, because he is that guy who just pumps up every other guy. And if you look at his Twitter, he's always like retweeting great things that his teammates have done and pumping up everybody else. And especially as a catcher, he's and a catcher of some amazing pitchers on the Mets with with DeGrom and Marcus Stroman. He's really focusing in on the the relationships that he has with those guys. And there was a great article from the New York Post of all places with like a series of interview questions for him. And they asked him like what his worst moment was in the big leagues or something like that, which is a shitty question to set somebody up on. But he said, like he responded in such a great way. He said, honestly, being in the big leagues, I don't even think there's ever a bad moment, even in the darkest days. You're still in the big leagues. Probably you're living somebody's dream. So like, that's the thing, like just being an MLB, you are like the creme of the creme and so many people want to be in that and to be respecting that and excited about it every day. I just love that kind of energy. And it's, it's there last year, especially there's this huge Puerto Rican presence on the Mets with Lindor and Baez. And he actually knows Lindor, your former boyfriend, from way back as kids they played together. And there's this cute story that he told in the same article about one time when they were little kids that they went to a haunted house. And apparently at that time, he said that Lindor just didn't speak English. He was always speaking Spanish. He struggled with the English. And something happened in the haunted house to scare the shit out of Lindor. So he ran out of there. And apparently in running out of there, he left his shoe behind and he started screaming, oh, no. my shoe, my shoe. And Nito's response to that is, you're saying that in English. Like, why are you yelling <laughs> shoe instead of zapato? But that <laughs> was their like a little kid story together. So again, the, another adorable kid. His daughter, <laughs> Eleni, is about 14 months old now. His wife was pregnant in August of 2020 when he got COVID which sort of, Oof. you know, super, super shitty. So that 20 season was shitty for so many reasons. He was diagnosed and stuck in an airport hotel for 10 days alone. And he uh. writes about that as just sort of like something that he had to get to. He had, he had a headache for eight days. He had serious symptoms. And then when he was done, they had to put him on a bus 
straight from Miami to New York. He said it was basically a school oh. bus and it was brutal. But he said this sort of like laughing back on it. Like he's not bitter about anything. He's he's a happy kind of guy. The The question that got me in this interview, though, was they asked him if he could pick the brain of any catcher in MLB, who would it be? And he's like, I already did it. I talked to Yadier oh. Molina, who was one of my favorites, former boyfriend of mine. Heck yeah. 2015. He said he was his one of his favorite catchers growing up. And he said it was like Christmas. It was like being a little kid. And it was a lot of fun. So I'm excited to see what happens with Tomas Nido this year. That's great. I love that. So I've got a local guy who's actually local to us. Local to your, your host so at Ooh. No Crying in Baseball. So my, my Mets guy is Khalil Lee who's a right fielder. He's 23. He was born in Newark in Delaware because his dad was a student at the University of Delaware. They moved almost immediately to Baltimore and then to Northern Virginia when he was in second grade. And so he grew up in Northern Virginia, which is, you know, basically the Washington metropolitan area, which is, hello, here's where we are. And he spent hours and hours hitting pitches from his dad in the front yard since he was a small child. It said toddler. That seems extreme to me, but anyway. Never know. <laughs> his dad, his dad was a really good basketball player. And so Khalil really wanted to play college basketball he liked baseball plenty but he really liked he, he saw his future in basketball but then he stopped growing before he hit six feet and his dad set him down and said you know you're awfully good at baseball and you've got a better shot at baseball and he said i still think i can make it with basketball but he listened to his dad and so far so good so far, so good. He still seems to be having a good time. So he went to um, to Flint, Flint Hills High School in Oakton, Virginia, close to us here. And he was also a pitcher and an outfielder. And he won as a senior at, um, at Flint Hills. He won the 2016 Gatorade Player of the Year for the state of Virginia. And this is a cool, this is like a, I'm going to be a boyfriend one day award because <laughs> it's not just your athletic achievement. It's also high academic achievement and exemplary personal character, including volunteerism, sportsmanship, and community leadership. Right? This is like Heart and Hustle Jr. <laughs> yep. Right? Kind yep. of. Right? So his his community leadership and volunteer stuff when he was in high school he was at that time a volunteer baseball coach for kids with disabilities and he also volunteered at two different elementary schools as a teacher's aide oh and that's when he was in high school and playing you know two sports at one point and then and then at that point then just baseball but that's a lot to do if you're also you know if you're getting the grades to qualify yep. for this and and you're putting in the hours and hours required to be a high school athlete so this is pretty cool and he was asked, okay, if you don't make it as a, as a ball player, what do you want to do? And he said, I'd be an electrical engineer because I really enjoy math and science. In math, it's just like on the baseball field. There's always a problem that really challenges you. And I swear to God, if someone told me math was like baseball, I would be so <laughs> much freaking better at math. Yeah. Right? So in the 2016 draft, he was picked in the third round by the Royals. So he went to the Royals instead of to college. Um, and he was kind of available as a pitcher because he was an amazing pitcher, but also an outfielder. And the Royals took him for his outfield power, right? His arm rather than as a pitching prospect. And he, his bonus was $750,000. He, in 2017 in the minors for the Lexington legends, he has a very dubious record. He has the record for the most strikeouts in a game for the league because he played a 21 inning game oh my God. and struck out eight times eight times in one game oh my god oh my god so he's another guy who strikes out a lot but when he hits the ball he hits it really hard and really far so the next year 
he was assigned to High A Wilmington, Delaware. And so the Delaware newspapers are like, woo, he was born here. So there were all these profiles on him because he spent a hot minute at a hospital in Wilmington before he was whisked away to Baltimore and the Northern Virginia. So in the story about this hometown guy done good, right? Um, they're talking about his, his baseball prowess and all of this. And out of nowhere, they say he's the only Blue Rock who cannot order a beer in a bar. Huh. Why is that? Instead of saying he's the youngest player. Uh, okay. <laughs> or, or whatever. That's that's the way they worded. I'm like, are you implying what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's like if we were right, told I was the story, say, we would I would, say I would do that. <laughs> I know. I was like, but this like out of nowhere. Everything else was, you know, batting average. And here's what he did in high school, and here's what he did last year, and all that. Um he got ahead of had a profile in the athletic. I think, yeah, I think that was also that year where the author of the article noted that he had to take a break and go do a photo op because he had appeared for this interview on Challenger Day with the Blue Rocks, which is the day they invite players with special needs to come and visit the team. And he'd been working with them earlier in the day and then went to do his interview and then went back to get this picture taken with this group of of young athletes. So that that remains to this day as something that he he focuses on which is really pretty cool he was part of that um february 2021 three-team trade that brought ben attendee from the red sox to the royals and your guy franchi cordero moved around so he was he was like one of the other guys in that whole three three team you know moving around thing so they interviewed him um during spring training with uh with the mets right when he when he went over to the mets and he said that dominic smith my immediately previous Matt's boyfriend was like his big brother in the locker Aww. room immediately like went to him and was making him feel comfortable, making him feel at home. And he said, my locker is next door to Francisco Lindor. I get to talk to him every day. So he's giving me tips. He's working with me. So he had like the guy working with him on skills and the guy working with him on here's how to like function mm-hmm. in this new environment. And he said, and on top of that, I think I look pretty good in blue and orange <laughs> and pinstripes. So that, that was fun too. He's a, he's a, he's a very nice looking young man. So I, I, I enjoyed that he appreciated you know, to the whole uniform situation. He had a super quick call up this past season in May. Um, do you remember when Kevin Pillar got hit in the face by a Oh, basketball? yeah. Yeah. So that's when Khalil came up. Um, he didn't stay up for long, went back down to AAA at Syracuse, but he lit it up in Syracuse, web gem level defense in the outfield. Amazing home runs, multiple home run games over and over. Um, the the Syracuse Mets Twitter account made many jokes about just becoming a Khalilia Stan account because <laughs> all they were posting were his home runs and his web gems in the outfield. Um, so he was a Triple A East All Star this past year. So his all time favorite player is Ken Griffey Jr., which was weird because that's way before his time. But he said, I study his videos hmm. all the time because he's one of the best center fielders ever, and he's left handed like me. He says. And also left-handed like me, says Patty. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. But also growing up here in your nation's capital, he loved watching Adam Jones play Aww, center field for the Orioles. And we love yeah. Adam Jones, right? So he had a lot of swag, but he also, also he did it all, you know, hitting, throwing, running, defense, all of that. And that's what Khalil tries to do. He's like, I, I want to be able to do all of those things. I don't want to have just one of those things. I want to try to do all of those things. And um, just, just to... And this on a high note, um, up there in Syracuse, not only was he the most valuable player for the league, but he was voted the most popular player at a local Syracuse pizza restaurant contest. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. Next week, we're talking about Oakland and San Diego. Ooh, wow. That's going to be tough. Yeah. I don't know how <laughs> our, yeah. our pool is going to be mighty limited there. 
because of our past year's picks. All right, we're going to go to some women in baseball news. And Rachel Balkovich is managing the the low A Yankees affiliate, the Tampa Tarpons. Did I say that right? Tarpon? I, I was thinking Tarpoon, think so. but it's not Tarpoon. It's Tarpon. There's only one, tarpon. one O yeah. there. And this, of course, is the first woman to manage a, an MLB-affiliated team. I am not surprised. I'm just not surprised. We've been talking about Rachel for a while. We first talked about her in episode 110 when she was hired as the Yankees hitting coach after the 2019 season. And then she had wonderful adventures with Manny Ramirez getting lost in Australia when she was coaching with the Sydney Blue Sox when there wasn't baseball happening here. And then we talked about her when she coached the the, uh, Futures game which was the first woman to do that. If you follow her in social media, you'll just know that she's just unstoppable. This is just a not, not a concept that this is something unique for a woman to do. She just does it. She did have to sort of tweak things a, a little bit in the beginning. She talks about when she had to write her name as Ray to get a strength and conditioning job instead of Rachel. But she's such a thorough, thoughtful person, which is what really strikes me about her. And one quote just jumped out at me when she said, my goal is to know the names of the girlfriends, the dogs, the families of all the players. My goal is to develop them as young men and young people who have an immense amount of pressure on them. She's very much like a whole person kind of a kind of manager or coach. She talks about, you know, really doing a lot of self-care and and thinking about how to deal with this pressure and getting to know people on this human level. And she has a lot of interviews in Spanish because she realized that she should learn Spanish to be able to relate to the players. And so she started in 2012. And I actually stole this Spanish word of the week idea from her Instagram because she was doing it for a did while. Did you really? I did. <laughs> That's awesome. I did. She's great. She's she's just amazing. She's a role she model. She's an absolute she's a role, role model. model. She's a she's a kick-ass weightlifter. Like you should, you gotta follow her. So, you know, saying good things about the Yankees out of my mouth, sort of, I like to counter that as much as I can with good things about the Red Sox, who are also, thank God, doing wonderful things with women in baseball. They are now the first team with two women on the coaching staff after after hiring Katie Kral as the new development coach of the AA Portland Sea Dogs. We talked previously about Bianca Smith, which was, you know, just groundbreaking just a few months ago, coaching at Fenway South in Fort Myers. And when she was asked about what she thought about Katie's hire, she said, it's kind of sad that it's still a big deal, but we're both really excited for it. So according to the Boston Globe, there are now 11 women coaching an affiliated ball. But what struck me about that is eight of them have been hired since 2021, since last year. So we are on a wave. We are. And there's one more to mention. Um, This got announced the day after Rachel um, got announced as the manager of of the the Tampa team is um, the Blue Jays hired Jamie Vieira. As a minor league hitting coach, they didn't specify what specific team to which she was going to be assigned yet, but minor league hitting coach. Um, She was formerly a baseball operations intern with the team, and she's a former college softball player and coach. So she's got some chops, and we'll see where that goes. And it feels like the dam's breaking a little bit. Yep. It's going to just like snowball from here. You know, I think there are teams like, well, crap, why aren't we doing this? Right. And part of it may be we don't want to be the team that doesn't do it. 
yep. but there are a boatload of qualified women out there. So it's not hard to do. And so I'm glad that people are doing it. So, um, Orioles park, here's another thing you can do during the lockout. If you have a ballpark that is basically known as Coors Field East, <laughs> because it's the place where balls go to disappear into the, into left field, into the stands, um, you can move the wall. And this is not unusual. I mean, ballparks reconfigure. The, in the last three seasons, there have been 72 more home runs in Camden Yards, uh, Orioles Park at Camden Yards than any other oh, ballpark. Oh, but I like that. pitchers. <laughs> it's pitchers. Fun. Hey, I knew you were going to be a problem. <laughs> but, <laughs> but pitchers hate that park. Visiting uh, pitchers hate that park. Every Pitchers don't like that park because left field is a, like those home runs would not be home runs in like 28 other ballparks. Right. So they're fixing that. So they're moving part of the left field wall back like 26 and a half feet. It's a little bit over 26 feet. And they're raising the wall because it's farther back from seven feet to 13 feet. So hopefully that will make it a little bit more. They even said it's not going to be pitcher friendly, but it's going to bring it a little bit more to neutral instead of being, you know, the place where you go to hit the home runs. And as a side result, the athletic had an article that said this might help them attract free agent pitchers. Huh. Like they get their pitchers because they grow their own, mm -hmm. right? But then they also trade for pitchers, but they're not attractive to free agent pitchers because everybody hates pitching sure. in that park. Why would you want to do that? And so this may help them get a better pitching staff because people won't be afraid to sign with them. So they're losing about a thousand seats, which insert your joke here about, <laughs> well, there's still plenty of seats left at, you know, at Orioles Park, but they are going to use those seats as some sort of charity fundraiser. I mean, there are a lot of people who'd be really happy to have a seat or two from, from oh, sure. Orioles Park at Camden Yards of their very own. And that section includes um, the orange seat, the designated Cal Ripken Jr.'s 270th home oh. run. And so that one is not going to get you know sent off to charity land. They're, they have an exhibit for the 30th anniversary of Orioles Park, and it's going to be part of that. And I can't believe it's 30 years because I went <laughs> right to the opening game. <laughs> and holy crap, how old am that's I? Bizarre. For God's sake. I just like can't imagine yep. what the construction is gonna look like. Like that's that's a big deal. Follow their Twitter. There's pictures of All it right. showing you what it looks like. Yeah. Super fun. For sure. <laughs> All right. I, teach me some more Spanish. Sure. I I'm gonna I was gonna say I'm gonna go back to robbing Rachel Balkovich word of the week. So being inspired by Rachel. There Bell. we go. There we go. And we've covered uh -huh. a lot more. She kind of gave up on it. So we're sticking to it. We've covered a lot of what <laughs> happens at the plate. We've talked about hits, which most often they say hit. But sometimes you hear imparable. And one of the lead on uh, uh, broadcasts, and I don't remember which team, has been using indiscutible, which means like you can't argue it. It's like un undiscussable, pretty much. Like this is oh, it's, it's a sure yeah, thing. It's a sure thing. So imparable, oh, indiscutible, wow. hit. We talked about you know single, sencillo, doble, triple, home run, uh, honron, or quadrangular. We talked about hit by pitch last week. You can go back to our old episodes, but what, that was what was that? That was like pe pe it, uh, uh, what was that? pelotazo. 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 Yeah. So I remember the P and the Z, but I couldn't do anything. That else was in the impressive right. though, because pelota is the boss. I'm getting so I'm getting pelotazo. really good at wordle. So I'm good with moving That's, like the, the, the letters I have around. Not right. tried that. I'm I, I guess I, I'm gonna get I, in It's a superpower of me. All right. Of mine. I have a superpower. Well, yeah. maybe I can do it in Spanish. <laughs> so what else happens at the plate? I want to finish, <laughs> I want to just round out the plate so that we can get off the plate in our in our future episodes. So what else happens at the plate? You can get a ball. 
which would be a bola, which you is can. pretty easy. And then you can get a base and bola. So you got that. A walk is a base and bola. So you can get a foul, which is foul. You can get a strike, which is a strike. If you get a strike swinging, though, so here's our key word of the week is abanica. Abanica is swinging strike. Swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. Abanica. And oh, actually, nice. a, a strikeout is a ponche, like ponchado with your punch out. You got yeah. punched out. Okay. That's it. So you I are mean, going uh, to use these words of the week as you continue to watch Baseball Invernal. That means winter baseball. And the first uh, country to have their champions crown that are going to be going to the Serie de Caribe is Pro Base, which is Panama. And the Astronautas de, de los Santos, which is the team that I have been you know, wholeheartedly supporting for years at this point. I'm excited. <laughs> They're going to the Serie de Caribe. So yay for the astronauts. In Puerto Rico, we're in the finals. And I realized that I have been super um, shitty and uh, kind of hypocritical in saying this team's name because we're, we weren't saying it for the Cleveland team in English. So I shouldn't be saying it in Spanish. So I'm just going to say Team Mayaguanes. Mayagüez, Mayagüez, and they're playing against the Criollos de Caguas, seven greens game series that started yesterday. Oh, yeah. I, it all makes sense now. It took me a second yeah. to catch so, up there. Uh, okay. For everybody else, just translate the former name of the Cleveland team into Spanish, and that's Mayagüez. So I'm not going to say their name anymore, especially because they have a logo that's very questionable, but they're playing against the Creoles. I don't know how much better that is. Um, but the seven game series has started. I saw the first game where the Criollos got it in a squeaker two to one. So I'm not sure what's happened by the time you hear this episode. It's going until the 22nd if necessary. And then in all of these in um, winter leagues, they have this time where you can get refuerzos, which is very cool, reinforcements from other teams. And it seems like you get two guys, like each team gets a couple of guys. Um, for the, the the Roberto Clemente League in Puerto Rico, they all got them from the Cangrejeros de Santurce, but they didn't include Christian Vasquez. So I don't know if he was just like, okay, I'm done for the season. I'm going back. I am unclear if Bebo Perez, your, your guy, is still playing for Mayagüez but I've got to pay better attention to that. So we'll see what happens there. Notably, Creos de Caguas is the team of Alex Cora of the Red Sox. In Mexico, the finals are set between the Tometeros de Culiacán, who have not won any games in the finals yet, against the Charros de Jalisco, who are up two. So we'll see what happens there. And then last night, I had the pleasure of watching the Gigantes de Cibao clinch in Lidam with Jose Siri. And the, the announcer was amazing because Jose Siri made the, the final catch, a pretty good catch to end the game. And he just went, Siri, Siri, over and over. <laughs> and also the Estrellas Orientales clinched their finals. For us, start tomorrow. For you guys, started yesterday on Monday. So we'll see what happens there. But the big watch on that is will Fernando Tatis Jr. show up? There is still... Ooh rumor that he could he could show up and play for the estrellas we'll see what happens all right in venezuela i am dying as soon as we stop recording i'm going to check on what's happening with the liga venezolana because the caribes clinched so this is the caribes with my my now boyfriend from the cubs rafael ortega williams astudio your former boyfriend is just 
killing it. And he is leading playoff batting still with 410. Notably, he's a free agent. He was released by the Twins last year. So he is playing his little heart out. And I am guessing as soon as I hope, I hope that as soon as this lockout is over, that somebody's got to scoop him up because he's just he's just killing it, including I a three-run home run in the eighth inning to ensure that they clinched by beating my Cardinales de Lara 12 to 8. So right now it determines on whether the Cardinales are going to be the other team in the playoffs or the Navagantes de Magallanes. So if the Cardinales win right now and then Navagantes lose and they're playing two different games, so that makes it even more complicated, then there's going to have to be a playoff game because they will be tied. So we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm just hoping for the best. I'm going to be real quick with my update about the Atlantic League because I want Potty Mouth to be able to go watch La Tortuga if she wants to. <laughs> so if you remember, we've talked about the Atlantic League a lot. It's an independent baseball league, and they have a partnership since 2019 with MLB to test rules that Major League Baseball is thinking about implementing one day. And they have decided as of this past week, they're dropping two of those. They've done the experiments, and they're done with them. One of them was RoboUmps also known as ABS, Automated Balls and Strikes. They're <laughs> dropping those. They're going back to just humans. Wow. And they're moving the pitcher's mound back to where it belongs based on, you know, God and everybody, 60 feet, six inches. Remember, had to move back a foot. So um, they're not – they're probably not going to drop – the major league, major league Baseball is probably not dropping robo-umps because – you know all the complaints people get when they're watching the the little box on their screens and they see that it's clearly a strike or clearly a whatever and it's wrong. People seem to want that, but they're just moving it out of the Atlantic League to some minor league subset for more testing, right? So that's still going to be looked at. Hmm. The experiment with moving the pitcher's mound back was inconclusive. They wanted that to result in more balls in play, and it didn't seem to do that. And the pitchers were complaining about the physical toll it took on them to throw that extra foot. And also, if you're really your goal for being in the independent league is to eventually get into the major league, major leagues, throwing at the wrong distance is not going to help you. So they said, okay, we're we're done with this. But they are keeping other experiments like slightly larger bases. The anti-shift rules they've been playing with, designated mm. runners after the regulation play is over, and there may be more. So the partnership still exists where they're going to test things out for Major League Baseball. It's just those two things aren't happening anymore. I just wonder how these guys feel about being guinea pigs. Like that's a lot of a lot of stuff to play around with. I don't know. I mean, they're playing. Yeah, that's true. They're playing ball. And and you know, the the independent leagues are kind of, you know, they're a pretty good alternative. If you're not picked up by somebody else. You're playing. You are not. I mean, you you get to play and you get to be seen because Major League Baseball does pay attention. So you're not a farm team, really, but you can still get noticed and you still, you know, you, you, you can still make it. You can still make it to the show from there. So it might be worth it. it. Might be a good trade, and maybe that makes sense. I don't. I I, I think now that the major leagues own the minor mm -hmm. leagues, I think more of that's going to come in house. Um, right. but I don't know. We'll we'll have to see. We will have Stay to see. Um, so, hey, so we have tomorrow off. So yay for that. Um, do you have anything else going on this coming week? Besides, you know, I don't know, work and, you know, hoping the snow melts or doesn't. Yeah, no, a shit ton of work. That I'm not looking forward to. But it's only four days as opposed to five. So that's the benefit of not having to work on Monday. So yay. 
Yay. Yay. Yay. I get to go back to work and help um, inf- administer a vaccine mandate for the city, which is kind of interesting. Um, yeah, there's a lot involved there, my friends. So um, we're hoping that you you are doing those things out there, our listeners. You know, we're all pro-vaccine and booster here because, you know, it keeps you safe, keeps you out of the hospital, and the same for your friends, and we hope you care about such things. Oh, my gosh. So I'm hoping that you and your friends and your family are listening to No Crying in Baseball, maybe catching some old episodes if you are new to our show, letting your friends know if you think they might like to hear us talk about baseball, and we sure do hope you're following us on social media. Absolutely. Hang us, hang out with us on Twitter at NCIV Podcast. Facebook and Instagram is No Crying in B-Ball. After you get your booster, make sure you spend your quality time fighting the man because it's the right thing to do. And until next week, say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. Well, I grabbed this flask. I saw that you drink it out of the flask. But it's almost empty. Like it's really pretty much empty. Maybe I should just finish it off.